All right, well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, as Dad said, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 23. And um, uh, as I mentioned last week, and as Mom has sent out some information as well, uh, today is uh, going to be group teaching day, right? Group encouragement day, group testimony day. Uh, in the context of how has uh, the 23rd Psalm uh, been meaningful to you? Uh, what have you learned about it that you've loved? What it, would you like to share about it? And um, I'll uh, facilitate us just a little bit, but I really want our time together to be uh, where you can share uh, how this has gone. We're going to do it kind of by verses. Now, we've kind of asked you to think about what verse um, uh, may have stood out to you, and then I ask you for a backup so I'm going to ask uh, just uh, so that I can kind of know how the, the morning's going to go and how much time we need to spend. I'm just going to ask, um, as I go through the verses, if, the, if uh, say, verse 1 is your first or second choice, raise your hand. All right? So if it's in your top two, raise your hand. And, that, and that'll just kind of tell me um, uh, who's... Uh, thought about what now just because you raise your hand does not mean you will be called on okay Uh, it does not mean that you necessarily intend to say anything about it Um, but uh, that'll give me an idea and you know if the Holy Spirit tells you to talk then that's between you and him Uh, all right so who uh, gave some extra thought or or really um, thought verse one was in your your top two things that have been meaningful all right verse two all right, this is, uh, he leads me beside the still waters. All right. Uh, verse three, he restores my soul. All right. Verse four, the valley of the shadow of death. All right. Verse five, prepare a table before me. Very good. Verse six. Very good. All right. Well, that is very helpful. Um, by way of introduction, I uh, read through... Um, a number of different things, uh, and I came across um, one commentator who pulled together uh, several quotes uh, by others and came up with this introduction uh, for Psalm 23. And if you'll permit me, I'll just read it. It says, The 23rd Psalm is perhaps the most beloved of the 150 Psalms in the Psalter and possibly the best loved and best known chapter in the entire Bible. The great Baptist Preacher uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon called it the Pearl of Psalms. 19th century preacher and commentator um, Stuart Perone observed, quote, there is no psalm in which the absence of all doubt, misgiving, fear, and anxiety is so remarkable. Andrew McLaren said, the world could spare many a large book better than this sunny little psalm. It has dried many tears and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. I just have to say, people wrote better back in the day. Really, that's just music when you hear that. Millions of people have memorized this psalm, even those who have learned few other scripture portions. Ministers have used it to comfort people who are going through severe personal trials, suffering, illness, or dying. And for some, the words of this psalm have been the very last that they have uttered in life. Uh, Certainly um, uh, extremely well-known, was quoted in 
uh, George W. Bush and the, his speech after uh, the attacks on 9-11. Uh, it's in various places in pop culture. I've seen questions show up on Jeopardy. Uh, it's uh, everywhere and, of course, very meaningful to all of us. So uh, let me just read through uh, Psalm 23, and then um, I'll ask you guys to jump on in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, just, we could say amen and, and leave, and it would still be a good day. Um, all right, the Lord's my shepherd. Who wants to start us off today? Uh, just kind of raise your hand because uh, we want everyone to hear. And so I've asked uh, Justin if he'll uh, kind of pass around the mic. All right. Karen's going to kick us off back in the back. Trouble, please. Thank you, and thank you for using the mic. Because we sit back here and we can't always hear up front. But um, uh, a number of you knew my mom, my mother, Marjorie Westerberg, who went to be with the Lord at the age of 105 and nine months. And she would, in the last couple, you know, her, her mentally, she, the last couple of years, she was a little confused. I mean, very confused. But um, she was still with us. And um, anyway, she, when she was having trouble going to sleep at night, and she wasn't sure who I was. She thought I was um, her mother. And I would say, you know, you actually, um, you're my mother. You know, you don't. You have to go where they are. You can't just straighten it out. But we had a little joke about that, anyway. But um, when she was having trouble going to sleep, I'd say, "Well, let's say the twenty-third Psalm," and she would start. She had memorized chapters of the Bible that she could remember when she didn't know who I was, and so she would start saying, "The Lord, it's my shepherd," and pretty soon she fell asleep. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, Karen. Who else? Up here in the front. The Lord being our shepherd reminds me that we are sheep. You never see sheep in a circus. <laughs> she cannot be taught anything. We are sheep. And the Lord loves us anyway. The Lord is my shepherd. And I'm reminded that I'm a sheep. Excellent, excellent. Else. Yeah. Just a quick observation. 
Uh, 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 no fair. Just a quick observation. Over the years I read this, I marked in my Bible, of course. Most of these verses start with the Lord before we ever enter the picture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall walk. He makes me lie. It starts with God and ends with us. Excellent. Till we get down to the last verse and it ends with him. Very good. You guys are getting warmed up. All right. I can squeeze a quick one in here. It wasn't in my top two, so I don't know. All right. Well, that's okay. <laughs> You're not limited to two. Okay. I'll just say. Yeah. Well, Jim might be, but. <laughs> the last verse reminded me of teaching first graders. And uh, we taught a lesson every year on wants versus needs. Of course, it says want, but it means anything I truly need. Right? So. Just my favorite verse every time. We ask them what they truly need. We imagine going out in the desert with Moses and the Israelites. And they came up with the most outrageous lists, and we picked off every one of those things one by one. We really don't need that. We ended with lay down on the floor, if they're spread out, take a few deep breaths, and then hold the last one. And let's see how we how long we can hold it. So, uh, by a minute later, usually only 15, 20 seconds later, we now know every one of us what we truly need. And I had to be reminded of that again just a year and a half ago. Yeah. Uh, everything we truly need, yeah. we'll have. All right. Who else? pay attention to our time. Um, very good. Um, I will add the comment. Um, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And uh, of course, uh, we know David uh, was a shepherd and that this is a Psalm of David. Um, we know that from our study in John, uh, back in John 10, uh, that Jesus described himself as uh, our good shepherd. And um, uh, pastors throughout history have uh, been been taught um, to consider themselves um, shepherds uh, with all of the the nuances of that uh, so we'll uh, we're, we it's appropriate that we have this uh, shepherd this pastoral kind of context to get us started today um, because that does set the tone for everything else um, so moving on he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Verse 2. Who wants to take a crack at that? All right, right over here. I was a, uh, I was a, I grew up on a farm. Green pastures is one of my favorite things. But the second part of that verse, what hit me hit me the most yes last week and this week also is he makes me lie down beside still water. He makes make me drink from still waters. And uh, in high school I had uh, sheep as a project in FFA. Anybody know what FFA was? Oh yeah. And 
and it's true that sheep cannot drink from running water or bubbling water. And I have a note, footnote here in my Bible, it's a King James Version, it says that you know that sheep cannot drink from noisy running water. A sheep's nostrils are so close to its mouth that it's, if it starts to drink, the water's moving, and the water's moving, it will choke and could drown, or have to drown. And I, and, and sheep are one of the most helpless animals that you can raise. If one of them gets stuck in a barbed wire fence, they'll stay there forever. Have to get loose and think they're caught forever. So uh, the second part of that verse is what kept me the most was drinking from running water. And, uh, I'm glad the Lord works out afterwards. Excellent. Who else? Of course, we know that um, water is often used as a, uh, a source of life uh, and a, a metaphor for life uh, throughout Scripture. Uh, Jesus certainly talked about the living water. Um, if you read anything about shepherds in, you know, the area of what we would call Palestine or certainly in, in the, uh, the area of Bible times, uh, water was precious. I mean, this, you know, it's legit desert there and even having water uh, is would be amazing, and uh, knowing where to find the water would be a crucial uh, skill of the shepherd. And as has been said, the sheep wouldn't necessarily know where to go, and so to being uh, being led to that, uh, and then um, uh, having it put in front of you, uh, is certainly um, would have been vital for their survival. And of course, today uh, so often. Um, uh, we have to be told, uh, take a breath, uh, calm down, um, relax, take a moment, think. Uh, one of the biggest problems, uh, of course, in our modern day world is there, there, there aren't many moments when you're able to just get away from it all. Um, uh, I'm old enough, and many of you are older than me, to enough to remember uh, when things were fairly quiet on Sunday, just in the world, uh, or at least in America, um, because uh, it was considered that was a day you didn't do a whole lot. You know, stores were closed and so forth. And, and the concept of, of having, even though it's not necessarily a Sabbath, but certainly having a day of rest, um, I think more and more um, people are realizing, you know, it really is important. It really is important to get your sleep and you know, I'm preaching to myself here because I don't get enough. Um, but this idea that we need to be led and we need to be uh, encouraged and, and to be restored. Uh, I think that's good uh, for all of us as we head into verse 3, which talks about that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Anybody want to take a crack at verse 3? Do the water then bleed into that? Of course. Okay. In um, fact, most commentators water, do that. The water, to me, whether it's running water, I think my mouth's loud enough. Can everybody hear me? The, the no, you water, might be the exception. We're, you're, okay. we're good. Um, that the water, whether it's running water or just trickling water, whatever, or in the ocean, there's something about the water that's calming. 
no matter no matter what it is. And um, for me, that's what I think about about the water, and I think about like we're talking about the green pasture. I think I think about laying in a grass that's almost like a carpet, then the water, and then He restores my soul. Well, while we're all this, while we're you're at that water point, and you're being quiet, that to me is how He restores your soul. He calms you down. He this is you know you need that quiet time with Him. That that's what it means to me. Very good. Anyone else? Karen, in the back. I just thought of something else. And um, we have visited parts of the world where water was so precious. And when people, women usually were the ones who would carry a jug a long way to get water and carry it back to the village where they live. Sometimes climbing down a mountain. Um, one time my husband built a, a, a pump that would pump running water that was running down the side of a hill back up into a town and we made a, a tank, got a water tank for them and then they could be right in town. They could, they even made little faucets and when we visited the town later they had run more pipes and boy they, they really made do for that but um, we it's something we take for granted. Very good. Anyone else? Any thoughts on this leads me in paths of righteousness? <clears throat> Oh, over oh, oh, here, just. Hi, I'm Lori. Um, I was just thinking that we can't be righteous without God's help, rightness with God, um, and that it's for His name's sake that um, that He is jealous or or, or um, careful about His name, and and that we. Um, <clears throat> that we reflect back his his righteousness, his glory when we become more like him and that gives him a good name. Amen. Excellent. Okay, Jeff. Just a quick thought. Uh, we keep seeing this theme, he leadeth me, right? And I think it was Chuck Sundahl that pointed out to us uh, the difference between Western shepherds and Middle Eastern because we drive cattle, we drive sheep, we, and, and Middle Eastern shepherds lead their sheep. In fact, multiple shepherds often have their flocks you know, lying down together, but when, yours, when your leader left, he called and you followed. Uh, they knew the leader and the shepherd leads. Excellent. So we had several hands that were raised for verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Who wants to start us off with verse 4? You guys are, are really doing well, by the way. This makes me think of um, my life in the next few months. 
I hope I can get through this without crying. Hold it a little closer, Bob. I've been a nurse for 33 years, and I've always worked with children, or either um, ABGYN. And God led me in a different direction, and I am now a prison nurse. I work with some of the most evil people that you could be around. But they are all so nice to me. They appreciate me. They tell me that I treat them like people. And they like me being there. And that was the biggest step out in faith I've ever done in my life. But I know 100% that's where God sent me. I don't always know why, but he sent me there. And I absolutely love this job. Um, it, it was huge for me to even do that because, like I say, I've worked with children for 33 years. I've never even had male patients because I've always worked with children <laughs> or pregnant women. <laughs> but this is, I've, I've been able to witness to some of the inmates. I've witnessed to some of the officers. And I don't know how many seeds God's let planted through me, but I'm so excited about it. And I absolutely love this change he's made in my life. And I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. Amen. Isn't this better than just listen to me all day? This is awesome. All right, who else? See them? My favorite uh, verse has changed over the years as, I, as I've aged. I, I was got a good handle on verses one and two, but uh, now that I'm in the fourth quarter, uh, verse four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's with me no matter what. Everybody hear that? Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? I think that um, as Christians, that's probably one of the verses that most people go to because we all go through trials. We go through things at times we think we're never going to get out. But that one, we will because he's with us. For the longest time, I thought of that exclusively in, in the theory, you know, just leading up to death, you're, you're about to die. And hold on, hold on. <laughs> you're about to die is where he left off. Okay. I thought that's all it was, but it's more about all those near misses along the way. What we used to call near misses and near traffic control, I never quite understood. That sounds like an oxymoron to me, but we... <laughs> We get close to death sometimes when we think we're going to die. But he's there right beside us every time. Okay. Anyone else? Good day. You're getting your steps in today, Justin. Well, speaking of the near deaths, um, I think there's a lot of times we go through life and we don't even know what we missed. Um, 
And then there's a certain comfort there that regardless of what's going on, whether I see it or not, uh, that God is there to protect me. There, there's just a comfort and a, a relief and a release uh, to where I can trust him because he's always been faithful. And um, it doesn't matter what it is, God's got it. Excellent. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. And I don't know, maybe one of you guys can speak towards the staff or the rod, which she, but I think, um, isn't it like it has a crook to like pull them back or also to discipline them to like keep them going the right direction? Yeah. All right. Anna's got this one. I'll do my own volume. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of y'all in here have already finished your parenting journeys, but we're just right in the thick of it. And this morning, even just trying to get the kids out the door, a rod and a staff was necessary. <laughs> but especially on Father's Day, as we get the opportunity to sit under the spiritual authority of literally my dad and my grandfather, to have benefited from the gentle but disciplinary rod and staff of this legacy and to hopefully pass that legacy on to my kids. I, you know, yes, the valley of the shadow of the death, but I, as a parent, take the rod and the staff more of, okay, now I'm the shepherd <laughs> and we have to rod and staff our way through. So on Father's Day, thank you for the legacy that I get to benefit from and that's what I take away from this day. Yeah, no fair. Um, to your point, um, the rod and the staff were tools of the trade. Um, the rod was uh, kind of a short club sort of a thing. Um, some people think, you know, when, when they talk about David fought off lions and bears, that he might have used his club, uh, his rod, so to speak. Um, Apparently back in the day, that concept of, of the rod being a source of strength and power and protection was, was well known. So much so that the concept millennia later of like the royal scepter kind of derived from that, that concept of the rod as power. So the scepter was, a, you know, the king would, would, would have that uh, insignia of power. Um, but then... Uh, both of these are tools of the trade for the um, for the uh, shepherd, and uh, there was a, a passage. Uh, but I should I should mention I looked for my copy of Philip Keller's famous book, um, A Shepherd Looks at the Twenty Third Psalm. Could not find it, so <laughs> thank you. Um, but uh, Pastor Bobby, uh, as part of our elders training, uh, gave us a book um, on leadership. Uh, called while shepherds watch their flocks and and this was a guy who worked as a shepherd um is a pastor slash missionary but he decided to become a shepherd for several years uh in arabia and egypt and all the the different areas similar to the bible times and and he writes his own uh concepts about that um but uh he talks about the staff uh and all the different ways it's used he says the staff is extremely important in rescue operations sheep have a way of getting caught in pits fences bushes and crevices they can get stuck in mud or worse swept off by a flash flood 
The staff becomes an extension of a shepherd's arm, reaching carefully around the isolated creature and pulling it back to safety. The useful instrument can also guide sheep through a pass, lightly pointing out the way with a shoulder tap. The staff generally separates sheep from each other when tension arises and brings sheep together when they need to be. A simple stick becomes a tangible, tactile expression of the shepherd's voice, expressing his concerns or directions throughout the day. The most interesting use of the staff, and he quotes Keller, is to simply be in touch. Walking side by side, almost as if holding hands, a shepherd may simply lay the staff against the side of a special animal. Special perhaps because it needs more frequent affirmation, or perhaps it likes to wander, or it might just be a favorite. I thought that was cool. All right, we've got a shepherd among us. Ken, you still have sheep. No, now we've only recently, so I mean, everything said here goes is, is perfect. But we had to get rid of our sheep, parasites, and things. Okay. When you when you were raising them, what were your tools? Oh, uh, let's see. Well, I mean, we kept a we kept a, a, a staff too. I mean, the staff was used for uh, with the crook. Was you you know it was used it for catching sheep. That's mostly what we used it for. If you can hook them around the neck or try to get a back leg, um, that's that mostly what we used. Okay. Very good. Anyone else? First four. Oh yeah, Carol. This Friday. And on Thursday, I found out that my daughter, Tracy, who had been in the hospital and rehab, was afraid to come home to a bed. She had been in that bed for almost seven months. And I did not realize that. And my first thought was, I was gonna bring out my staff and say, young lady, as your mother, you're going to do this. Then I realized she was serious. She was afraid to come home. So on Friday, when I picked her up at the hospital, we progressed home very slowly. We uh, entered her home, and I said, let's go into the bedroom, and she said, no, I can't do it right now. I said, okay, what can we do? She said, well, let me just sit here for a little bit. So we did, and finally she went into the room, and we decided at that point that we were gonna change her room around, not the bed or anything, just some of the things on the floor and the wall. My daughter has, and her family wants to be keeping things that they really don't need to keep. So we cleaned out one section of her room, the place where she would look when she was in the bed. We did that, and gradually throughout the day, we even went to get some food for supper. My son came over and visited with her, and et cetera. And then that evening when we returned with the meal, her husband and daughter were there from work, and she talked about going into that room once more. She said, I don't know if I can do it. 
Well, at that point, I didn't quite know what to do, so I said, you are afraid. Then she told me something that said, okay, Mom, a friend of mine, the Owens family, Larry and Annie, said to me that whenever I'm feeling this way, I should go to the Lord and pray. And that stuck with her. And I said, okay, I'm leaving you now, I'm going home. But if you need me, you can call me and I'll come and get you and take you to my house. She said, okay. Well, I went home. I did not hear from her. She got into the bed that night. And when I called her on Saturday, she said, Mom, I slept all night till six in the morning. She said, I think I'm gonna make it. Gradually, with the Lord's help, she was not afraid, and he helped her. Thank you for praying for this child. Thank you for praying for the pain that is almost gone. She, would, she will continue to have pain, but it's not like it was before. Her, it's not coming out her toes like it was before. Thank you that somebody in this church have prayed and held her up and she's gonna need it. Gradually as she gains her strength and her diet back and etc. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? All right, verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. While you're thinking, I'll mention that um, this concept of preparing a table in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Uh, this was, uh, uh, some people think that this was David reflecting on a time in his life. Uh, you can find the whole story in Second Samuel chapter 17. Uh, you'll recall that there was a day when uh, Absalom had taken over. And David was on the run, and he was running away. He crossed from west to east across the Jordan to the area of Gilead. And in the area of Gilead, uh, there were three, uh, I guess, clans leaders who kind of met him there on the other side of the mountain. And uh, they laid out a huge feast for, for David and all of his people. And back in the day, uh, it was very extravagant, but they would have scented oils and so forth, and uh, they would uh, anoint you. And, and uh, it, in a day when maybe uh, people didn't always smell great and people weren't taking lots of showers for lack of water, among other reasons, perhaps, and uh, it would have just added uh, just a very fragrant, um, welcoming, um, just extravagant uh, display and some people think that David was reflecting on this uh, at that time. Uh, it made me think of, um, and I've quoted this movie several times, the, the book of Eli. Um, in that book, this apocalyptic, or the film, this apocalyptic phase, uh, there's a section where Denzel Washington is the main character, uh, Eli. He's uh, trying to negotiate 
uh, this guy to charge up his battery for, uh, that he needs to have charged up, and uh, it's all barter system. And what he trades him was leftover little handy wipes from KFC because they had, they, um, had a little water and you could clean yourself. And then he also had some little um, hotel t- size uh, lotions that had a smell to it. And once the guy saw that, he was very willing to charge up his battery because it was so precious back uh, or in, that, in that particular story. So uh, that's the concept here. Uh, anyone else that will kind of move on? Oh, you got one? Well, I can. Uh, I think he anoints our heads with oil every day. I consider the blessings that he gives us, and sometimes we take them for granted. And I think that is the oil that he anoints us with each and every day. Excellent. Um, yeah, anointing, of course, would have maybe had double meaning. Um, the blessings. Um, uh, that we get every day, and of course, uh, that was how he got designated to be king, right? To be anointed. All right, verse six. Surely goodness, and the, is it surely goodness and mercy shall follow me? Uh, or the, the song makes you say, "Surely goodness." Uh, either way, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So. Uh, who wants to start? Here we go, Dave. Well, as people, we normally are always focused on, we, we many times focus on the past, and we're fearful, and we're, uh, we regret a lot of things, but if God is who he said he is, then we can always look forward. We don't have to look back. Surely, goodness and mercy, even though it doesn't always happen that way, we're always hopeful that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The world can't say that. The world is constantly under under barrage for different things, and they don't have any hope. This is hope. Amen. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I love that, Dave. Um, one of the, I think one of the distinctives that Christianity has, in fact, I would say we almost have a monopoly on it, is hope. Um, one of the most depressing things I'd ever seen, witnessed in my life was um, attending a, a Jehovah's Witness funeral. There was no hope offered whatsoever. It was horrible. Now, thankfully, I knew a secret about the person they were talking about that they didn't know. So I had hope. But uh, it, was, it was horrible. The, the Christian can definitely have hope looking forward. Thank you, Dave. Who else? Can I, um, can I do something when you were talking about hope? I was yeah. going to say something about the overflows, but I didn't. Yeah, but I'm going to say it now. Um, I know my, my Bible says my cup overflows. But in my father died in 99 of lung cancer. There was a movie out at that time called Hope Floats. And at the end of the movie, there was a young girl, and there have been many trials with family and all the the end of the thing, based from what her grandmother would tell her, she said, my cup runneth over. And I think my cup runneth over has so much more meaning than my cup overflows. It's just more bold. And and that's how I think we all feel a lot of times. 
It's not all the time, but it does. Absolutely. Someone said that the way you fix um, a lack of confidence, a lack of self-esteem, uh, when you start to suffer because you've gotten in the habit of comparing yourself or your possessions to those of someone else, they say it's, it's when you've made the mistake of counting other people's blessings instead of your own. And uh, surely if we really do uh, spend some time counting our blessings, uh, yes, we have a cup that runs over. Anyone else? All right, I'll stay yeah. again. In the beginning, the Lord. And in the end, the Lord. Always. Very good. Um, I'll close with just a couple of uh, summary statements I found. Uh, one writer says, Psalm 23 has rightly found its place in the hearts of Christian readers. Praying the psalm helps one express trust in God and to experience calm in the midst of life's troubles, including imminent death. Another said, Christians cannot, let me rephrase, Christians cannot read Psalm 23 that explores God as shepherd of his people without thinking of Jesus Christ. After all, Jesus himself announced to his disciples, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Indeed, Jesus died on the cross to save his people from their guilt, sin, and even death. He is the ultimate comfort in life and in death. And just like a shepherd, Jesus comforts his people by revealing, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I hope it is not very long before we do this again. Um, I have always um, appreciated, I know Dad and I have talked about this in the past, just the collective wisdom and life experience and um, just the, the depth of your walk and, and the richness of it. And thank you for sharing that with us today. Let's close. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the words that um, no doubt um, meant a lot to David, uh, have meant uh, so much uh, onward of uh, probably approaching three millennia of believers. Uh, we thank you for the inspiration for the comfort uh, and for the hope that we have. And mostly we thank you for uh, Jesus, our good shepherd, through whom we can be grafted in to everything you have for us. In his name I pray, amen. Thanks everybody.